Glad to have you with us. It's Bills by the Numbers, where we let the stats tell you where the Bills are at. We're presented by FanDuel. Download the app and make every moment more. Across the board, the Bills roster is more talented and deeper than the 13-3 division title team of a year ago. So why is no one talking about it? Steve and I discuss. We also have Steve try to guess the new faces on the Bills roster in the numbers game. And ESPN analytics writer Seth Walder ranks the Bills core with others across the league. Let's gun for the top spot. Roster review time here on Bills by the Numbers. Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker and Bills Insider Chris Brown with you. And first on the docket is with much of the roster improved from last year's iteration, we need a hot take on which position group, Steve, you think was upgraded the most this offseason. Um, I would say, mm. I might say wide receiver. Okay, that's a that's a hot take. Uh, they got three guys that are going to play: Davis, Diggs, and Shakir. Those are the only three guys left from last year's team. And yes. I think the guys that they brought in are talented, and they also have some size. And they brought in a ton of John Brown was back in the fold last year. Cole Beasley was back in the fold last year. They got called back into yes. the fold. Um, I think. And, they, and for me, they were insurance policies because I think they did have faith in Diggs. They have faith in Davis and all of that stuff, uh, McKenzie. But I think the fact that they revamped those guys, they got younger, they got bigger, and they got more athletic. Um, Hardy, Sherfield are the two most shining examples. And, then of course, uh, the, the, uh, the kid that came in that they drafted. So all shorter, those guys, yeah. shorter. And they, they are big. And they're more athletic. Hardy's very athletic. He's not big. He's smaller than McKenzie was, but I think he's even more dynamic. Um, Sherfield, uh, I'm very intrigued by. But I think from where they were last year, with they, they were second in the league in drops, and the turnovers were a problem last year. With these guys pushing those top guys, um, I'm not. I'm not saying I expect three different starters in there or two different starters with Diggs and two other guys, but I do think there's going to be some rotation yeah. there that's going to help. It's guard for me. The personnel department made a conscious decision on what ailed them up front last season. It was pocket integrity and running the ball between the tackles when they wanted to run the ball. So they got bigger and more physical at the guard spots, adding three viable options who could land or compete for the two starting guard spots. If they improve those two areas up front, the offense will keep defenses off balance even more, I believe, and will give Ken Dorsey more play-calling options. Which position group, Steve, despite perceived improvements, still has to prove it to you in the regular season to feel better about it? Uh, Probably the defensive line. Okay. Uh, I want to see... You know, is that because after Vaughn got hurt, right? The pass rush kind of yeah. I mean, they got they got to do it with and without him. Um, they're going to have to do that this year, probably at the beginning of the year. He's probably yeah. going to you know probably ease his way back into it. Plus, they need to be consistent, and for this pass rush to be even noticeable, they got to be a force. They were okay last year. They showed up at sometimes and had some pretty good production early in the season. 
But if you want to be better than that, it's yeah. almost the point where you got to be dominant. And with Leonard Floyd in there, with Rousseau and his, uh, you know, about to spread his wings, and now Von Miller back if he's a hundred percent healthy, along with you know, pick take your pick of the guys who are left: Shaq, AJ, um, you know, all those guys. They have to be almost a force yeah. to really prove it to anybody. That they're going to be anything different than that what they have been in the past. I'm going to go to your position from your first answer. For me, the prove-it position is receiver, not because I don't believe in them, but to your point, there's only three incumbents from last year in Diggs, Davis, and Shakir. Right. So while I believe Deontay Hardy is talented and Trent Sherfield is talented, among the others that are at that group, they all have to get on the same page with Josh, number one, as well as... Oh, by the way, the tight end who was the first-round draft pick. So I wonder how long that takes before it's humming the way they want it to. Like, does it look good right out of the gate week one? Does it take three or four games, you know, until you get to week five? Like, you can lean on Davis, Diggs, and Shakir, but let's get some role players to give us a little bit more, you know, and get them up to speed. How long does that take is, is the thing that I'm maybe most curious about. Right. So we believe they're better on the offensive line and defensive lines. At what positions do we feel they are deeper, Steve? And it could be specific positions on the O or D line, but are there other positions where we feel they are deeper? Yeah, a couple, uh, more than one. Uh, Secondary is deeper than it was last year and more proven, I would say, as well. Um, Taylor Rapp is a difference maker. He's he's a guy that can step in, play, and – and have less yeah. drop-off than there was a year ago. The corners with Benford, um, Yeah, Benford staying there for now. Yeah, Kair, Benford, Dane, Dane Jackson, Jackson, Tredavious, and, of course, Taron. Cam Dantzler Cam just got Dantzler added. Cam Dantzler just got added. I'm, they've got some depth over there on the secondary. The secondary has been, as we know, stellar when it's been healthy over the last four or five years, and I think they got better this offseason, and they're, they're very deep over there. And, you know, we've – toyed with the idea of maybe being so rich at some of these positions there may be some guys that you could trade away now that we're talking about it the secondary may be one of those spots as well i i agree with the positions you pointed out i'm going to say running back too i think they're deeper there you know they have these two big backs in damian harris and latavius murray i don't know latavius murray's a lock to make the 53-man roster i think they want him here but it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up on the practice squad, much like veteran Duke Johnson was last year as an insurance policy, you know, to be that physical runner. Like, let's say Damian Harris, God forbid, gets hurt. He's going to miss three or four games. I could see Latavius Murray being the plug-and-play option there for your physical back role. And then I think you, you can point to the edge, Steve. When you sign Leonard Floyd in June, you're deeper and more talented. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> you're adding him to a stable of players, even defensive tackle, Puna Ford, like, come on. Yeah. They're they loaded. They got some guys. They got some girth. They got some size. And they got some athletes up front. And they got some guys that are playmakers as well. And I think that's the one word that we have not been able to use about this defense for the last couple of years. You know, they just don't make splash plays very much. Yeah. The only one you can point to really is the Taron Johnson play two years ago in 2020 in the – in the COVID year when he, you know, the 101-yard yeah. interception return against the, the Baltimore Ravens to put that game away in the playoffs is a historic play. It's unbelievable. Right. But that's a short list. 
Yeah. I mean, Kair had the interception in the Miami game, the Miami wildcard game. That turned the tide there because mm-hmm. things were not looking good for a while, and he makes that pick deep in Dolphins territory. The Bills go in and score and kind of take the game from there. So there are – yeah, but it's, you're right. It's a short list for sure. Is there a position that gives you pause, a spot on this team where you're not even expecting them to be better necessarily – you're just hoping for steady, consistent play there. Yeah, it's got to be middle linebacker. I mean, yeah. Tremaine Edmonds is gone. They've got four or five guys that are on the list to, you know, be that guy. And I, you know, and it, of course, it starts with Terrell Dodson, Balen Specter, uh, Terrell Bernard. But there's also Dorian Williams, and a guy that I'm really intrigued by is Traven Howard. Mm-hmm. We've been watching him. Athletic and player. He's an athletic player. In fact, he's as good an athlete as anybody on in that group. Uh, don't know wh- wh- what it is between his ears or where it's at there, or you know what he's got in between, you know, his in, in his chest. Uh, I don't know what kind of heart he has, but athletically, he's there. And when they put pads on and all this stuff starts to take shape, you can bet um, athletes are going to make a difference. So we'll see. Although you know. Um, I've told you I thought Balen Spector's got a shot at that, and I think people kind of overlook him. He was a really athletic kid coming out of college last year. That's why he was on the 53. He could cover kicks. He could run and do a lot of things. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if his athleticism transfers over into the middle linebacker spot. But they've got some guys there. But, man, and I get it. I mean, nobody was going to step out and beat Tremaine Edmonds out for the middle linebacker spot here in Buffalo, even if they were a really good player. So we'll find out if there was a really good player waiting in the wings, and maybe it was part of the reason they did not match Tremaine yeah. because they felt like, you know what, we got a guy. But I think we would have heard that if we had. Yeah. If that had been the case. I'm, I'm with you on this. Middle linebacker is the obvious choice here. And it's not because there isn't any faith in the talent that exists at the position. They have options. I just think the fact that it's largely unproven talent is what gives you pause and may temper your expectations. You're just hoping for a guy that can talk to everybody on the defense, get everybody in the right call, and then make some plays as well. They don't have to be all pro. They don't have to be a pro bowler. This defense is loaded. Just be a steady, consistent player. Get your feet under you as you acclimate to what is the ultimate responsibility position on the defensive side of the ball. And hopefully there's a guy that rises to the top through training camp and seizes the position, says, I'm your guy, and then has, you know, a relatively steady and consistent season first year right. as a starter. Because you're talking about a first-year starter no matter who it is, right. unless for some reason they they break the emergency glass and it's A.J. Klein. I mean, yeah, come in, having somebody come in and explode onto the NFL scene as a, a top-flight elite NFL linebacker, it doesn't seem like it's coming from this group. But what you can hope for is a guy who's not only steady, but every so often and as the season goes on, better, 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 and all of a sudden he starts to flash, and then he starts to flash more consistently, and all of yeah. a sudden by the end of the year, maybe he does turn into a guy like, all right, Going forward, this is our guy, and everybody feels good about it. What perceived upgrades to this roster, Steve, do you believe could most impact how the team performs, whether it's schematically or identity-wise? You know, I th- 
we've had these conversations before. I, I think it all starts up front. And I, if you're going to go with which one identity-wise, it's a throwing league, it's a passing league, and everybody says, yeah, we'd love to have a run game. Okay, great. But the Bills' offensive line upgrades are going to make a big difference, I think, mm-hmm. uh, on in both sides of the equation offensively, throwing the ball and running the ball. Running the ball, you just want to know, you just want to have guys up there, and it's really difficult to do. You want to have a running game that when everybody knows you're going to run it, you don't care. Mm-hmm. Let's go. That may be where they're at finally um, after being kind of a – well, they were good running. They were seventh in the league in rushing. You know, they, had, they were top ten. They're not, they didn't stink. And the, the perception is because the, the least productive part of the Bills' offense was their running game, so that, they must stink at that. Let's change everything around. Well, they don't have to. They were, a top, they were seventh in the league in rushing. They were, they were fine in rushing. Yeah. But be, the rest of their offense is so elite – if you're going to fix it, there's where you start. You know, the week. No. Um, their offense doesn't need to change too much of anything. But, like I said, when they want to run the football, Josh doesn't have to be a part of that, and they don't care. Let's just hand it off to one of these guys and yeah. behind these guards and let's go. I see your point there. I think Dalton Kincaid is a natural choice here, too, given the proper amount of playing time and opportunity. We, we've talked about it on our daily show, One Bills Live all through the spring here since he was the first-round draft choice, we could see 12 personnel usage go up to somewhere near 20% if he's on the fast track. And some indications that we've seen out in the spring practices would say he is a little – he's on a fast track as far as rookies go around here. And Leonard Floyd makes it a three-headed monster at defensive end with Von Miller and Greg Rousseau. I think it affords them the opportunity to use a NASCAR package – in obvious passing situations where you can put three speed rushers on the field, you kick Rousseau inside because he's rushed from there before in his career and put his length next to Ed Oliver with Floyd and Miller on the outside. Good freaking luck with yeah. that. And it, it also means a little something different for quarterbacks like, like Tua uh, in the division, maybe Mac Jones as well, because Mac Jones doesn't run really well. You put a guy with Rousseau's length in right in front of him instead of on the edge, and, and all of a sudden he's trying to throw around a tree. Um, it's just one more problem, along with a guy like Ed Oliver, who is a disruptor. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's very intriguing and because at some point in these games, I mean, you don't want to do that on third and two, but at some point in these games, somebody's going to be third and nine plus. I like it on and, third and 11. And man, oh, man, <laughs> it, it's a problem. I – I just get goosebumps talking about those four names lined up next to each other in a pass rush package. Yeah. If I like it that much, you know they're talking about some iteration of that upstairs in the coaches' offices. Finally, why do we think, Steve, no one nationally is talking about how much Buffalo has improved their roster this offseason? We've seen a lot of the national headlines this offseason. None of them have included the Bills. I'm sure Sean McDermott loves it. He loves lying in the weeds and being under the radar because it's an easier place to jump off from as a springboard to start your season rather than the Super Bowl expectations that were lumped onto the Bills after the Von Miller acquisition. But I think we we agree on this. The Bills roster this year is better than it was last year. Yeah, there's a couple reasons for it. Um, first of all, there's a lot of really juicy headlines everywhere else in the National Football League. Aaron Rodgers being off the top of your head. Odell Beckham to Odell the Ravens. Odell Beckham Jr. Um, Derek Carr taken off. Um, 
all this stuff, you know, Sean Payton going to Denver and straightening that offense out. A lot of stuff going on. Vic Fangio to um, the Dolphins. That's right. Um, so there's a lot of juicy stuff going on around the league. Plus, the last time people saw the Bills was um, a flop against Cincinnati in the playoffs okay. here. And I think people, the recency bias of that, we, we were, I don't know whether beneficiaries or whatever you want to call it last year when, you know, that last 13-second game after the week before the 13-second, don't forget – it was only a division round they got put out in that 13 second. They still had to go, and, and Cincinnati would have been here for the championship game. But the week before that 13 second game, when the Bills looked so unbelievable, was an absolute perfect game from Josh Allen, the offense, yeah. where they just hung the Patriots out to dry. So they were humming. Recency buys then, you, you project that onto what happened at the end of this last season when they, they laid a stinker against Cincinnati. And you, it's no wonder why people are going, eh, maybe, maybe they're not all of that, right? And yeah. uh, plus all the other things that are going on around the league. So uh, certainly the Bills fans and, and the coaching staff, nobody's really bellyaching about being off the radar a little bit this, this offseason. But I'm with you, Brownie. You know, we're here and around Buffalo, and I got people coming up to me, how, you know, how, what do you think? I'm telling them, <laughs> this team, I, I use the same word all the time, this team is a wrecking crew. They are going to be so, so hard to beat when they line up this season. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's the people that they brought back, the people that are healthy, and then the good quality player ads. There are very few additions to this offseason roster that are throwaway additions, if you know what I'm saying. Like, did they sign some guys to one-year minimum veteran Contracts, yes, but some of those guys are proven starters in this league. David Edwards yeah. is a three-year starter for a Super Bowl team in L.A. Right. <laughs> That's so like one of their lesser-named so guys. So Leonard Floyd. Proven so starter. Taylor Rapp started on that team. Exactly. Right. So, like, quality player ads may not be splashy, may not be sexy, but they unquestionably – made this team better overall in terms of talent and in terms of depth. We specify this discussion a bit more with ESPN.com's NFL analytics writer, Seth Walder, who recently put a piece together ranking the best core player groups on teams in the NFL. The Bills ranked fifth. Here is Seth. Okay, Seth, so you put together a ranking list of the best NFL team roster cores in the league on ESPN.com recently. You had the Bills sixth overall with the core listed as Allen Diggs, Von Miller, Trey White, and Milano. Can you just first explain maybe what analytic components were used in putting the list together? Uh, mostly vibes, you know. I think that was the, that was the big thing. <laughs> In some ways, it's funny because I think a lot of projects like this, it's like I think that my analysis is hopefully informed a lot by a lot by numbers. But then in the end of the day, there's no magic formula. And so I do have to take everything that I know quantitatively and then qualitatively make a judgment. Like in thinking about the bills, like uh, are you asking about which players I – I selected to be the five or, or how, why they ended up being ranked where they are. Well, probably both, right? Yeah. Probably I'm both. curious okay. about both. Yeah. It's interesting because there was you, you, you know, you said Tredavious white is part of the core group and I would get, I get why that is. And, and it's interesting because 
he was kind of off the Bills' production radar last year for most of the season, and then when he came back after the DeMar Hamlin thing, he was not himself at, at any point during the regular season. So if you go back two years, absolutely, you know, you got to stick him in there. But he's kind of off the radar for Bills fans at this point. I think I was somewhat torn here. I think there's a few ways you could have gone. I mean, to me, Jordan Poyer was a potential <laughs> consideration there instead. Right. Age was like kind of like a light factor, I was thinking here. So Poyer's obviously older. I mean, I do feel like the, the Bills' safeties are so crucial to that defense, or at least they were two years ago. And I do think that they do have a lot of the promise, or the, the promise of that defense is defined by their safeties. But at the same time, like White, as you mentioned, has shown an ability to be basically an elite corner. And I, I do tend to think that corners who are very variant from year to year, once you show that ability to be an elite corner, you have that ability again. We've seen guys like Xavier Rhodes be really good, then be really bad, and then be really good again. And I, I think that having that potential from a guy like White, yeah, especially he was also coming off the injury last season, to me – it's like a little more important position that also really was a, was a factor in why okay. I, I went that way. But I understand the, the question. Yeah, sure. Okay. So I saw you factored average age of the core players into this as well. Curious, where is the tipping point where average age became a negative in terms of value on this chart? We actually didn't – I didn't factor an average age – in terms of the ranking, it was just a, something we we included as in okay, there. Okay. So I think the idea being that I'm looking at basically 2023. How strong are your five best players? However, you know your five core players, and then how old those players are obviously determines maybe the length of time they might be on your team. Right? You can have a good core but an old core, and those aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. So. Uh, no, so age wasn't a factor in determining the ranking in and of itself. One of the things about it is, I, at the first glance, I thought, wow, the, the core rankings kind of mirror the QB rankings, right? I mean, you do get some change, but the quarterbacks do carry some weight in these cores. And Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, you got Burrow. Burrow. Um, Tua's in the top five. Dak is in the top five. Herbert. And now Aaron Rodgers in, in, is at number eight. It kind of does, but not exactly. And while those quarterbacks kind of elevate the guys around them, the fact that you threw in defensive players and that it didn't really follow the quarterback rankings kind of made it more interesting for me. To me, if you're asking me to pick to rank quarterbacks that I would like to have going to the 2023 season, I would put Josh Allen at number two. So I think that in a way this is – let me put it this way. I was surprised, kind of like if you had, if you had before we told me the assignment and said immediately, where do you think you're going to rank the Bills? I would probably have said three. And I think it speaks to when I'm, when I'm sort of going through the rosters and I'm thinking about the rest of this roster and you think about Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and they are the, they are the highlight of this team. But then I look at the rest of the, the rest of this group and I compare it to these other top teams and I'm feeling slightly underwhelmed in terms of star power. Like, especially on that offense, on the Bills' offense, it's Allen and Diggs, a, a high-end quarterback, high-end receiver, is the best possible way you can start. 
And then after that, who really excites you? Now, I think there's an argument that the Bills roster is like better than their five guys because there's no stars on their offensive line, but it's not a bad offensive line. And so that that helps too. But yeah, to me, the idea of having a guy like White, like you mentioned, not coming off of a of strong play, Miller coming off of injury, and then Matt Milano, who I'm probably, you know, honestly, I'd really like. I've been higher on him than I think most non-Bills fans uh, out there for a, for a while, but he's still an off-ball linebacker, and that's just not a premium position. And we're comparing to some of these other teams that are just stacked at premium positions. It fell a little bit short. Uh, on a broader view, Seth, I'm curious, is there a metric out there that can assess roster depth as a whole? Because I would argue that Buffalo's roster, while it may not have the high-end talent that you were looking for for a core, I think the roster is more talented overall and deeper than it was last year based on the moves that Brandon Bean has made this offseason. And nobody's really talking about it. And I get it. You know, the Aaron Rodgers thing is blocking out the sun in New York, and I understand why, because they haven't had a, a good quarterback in 40 years. So I get it. And there are other bigger headlines across the league in terms of offseason acquisitions. But very quietly, Brandon Bean has kind of retooled this roster into a deeper thing. That's why I'm curious, like, have you analytics guys come up with a way to assess overall roster depth? Can't believe you do Ryan Fitzpatrick like that. Man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I think uh, there's no metric, but I can tease that like what you're talking about, I mean, me and Mike Clay have teamed up to do a, an entire roster evaluation that'll be out later this month. Oh, nice. And, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but like, yeah, what you just said is how, uh, how I came down. And that is that I ranked the Bills higher than five in their overall roster. Because I do agree with you. Like I said, with the offensive line, no star power, but I'm not – it's not like a it's not like a serious weakness to me. Um, I think guys like Daquan Jones are really good. I think the safeties, like I mentioned, can be potentially just crucial elements for this defense if they have one more if they each have one more year left in them. And so I agree that the Bills have a better roster than than their like top five, right? Their top two is excellent. Their top five is oh is good, obviously very good, but but takes a little step back. We look at the whole 53, I would feel pretty good about that. One of the things that we've noticed here, sitting here watching this AFC take shape, particularly with last year Russell Wilson coming over, now Aaron Rodgers is over. Um, the AFC is – the NFC almost looks like the relegation league. It's, J- it, it's JV. It's Yeah, I, I mean, so you look at who could be good in the NFC, and it's – the Philadelphia Eagles, Brownie was. We were talking about it this morning. They they faced no adversity all last season, no injuries. They got a fourth string quarterback in the NFC Championship game. They had all, all this stuff that kind of fell their way, took them all the way to the Super Bowl. And as good as they were, do you think they go through a season? Even playing in the NFC, do you think they skate through a season like they did last year? I think there's a there's definitely a chance that they do. I would definitely make them favorites. I agree with everything you said. There's a huge disparity between the two leagues. To me, I think what's interesting is a, a team like Dallas, 
that I weirdly because of they're the Cowboys, I feel like is almost underrated in their Super Bowl chances because to me that's a really good team and there's there's not really anybody else, right? So you've got the Eagles. I think it's Eagles, Dallas, San Francisco, and we're still talking about a third team with a huge question mark at, at quarterback. So a team like Dallas, to me, is the biggest threat to Philadelphia. They're one of these teams that has, at any given point over the last four or five years, they could have broken through and made that Super Bowl run, and it didn't happen, but it, it easily could have. The window was there, and I think that window is still open for them. And so if they were in the AFC, I would not be feeling that good about them, but they have that that kind of path. So I think they're the challenger. But agree with your point that Philadelphia, that's why, you know, we really like their their Super Bowl chances. It's because of the easy path in the NFC. Yeah, because people like us who are not analytics experts will say, oh, well, you know, everything that went right for Philadelphia, some of the, the law of averages is going to, you know, bring them back to the mean a little bit more than they experienced last year. Um, is there anything that, and this is my last one. That's not how that works. Tell I know. Well, is there anything is there anything out there metric wise that stands out from one year to the next that you'd say, okay, they were extraordinarily high in this metric, and it's not often that that happens. A two years in a row, and then B, how much do, might they come back to the mean? Like I'm thinking of a Minnesota Vikings, for example, Seth, that had ten one score wins last year. That's coming back to the mean this year, right? Uh, yeah, I think Minnesota in and of it, like themselves does not think that they were like a 13-win team last year. But if you look at their offseason and what they've done, I think they're sort of like, I don't know. I mean, if they if they trade Daniel Hunter, like it kind of feels like a rebuild almost. Yeah. Um, I think with Philadelphia, I guess the bear case is that they had a good – defense and that tends to be more variant year to year tends to regress they got excellent play out of their corners which i've already mentioned um can can really zigzag from year to year but it's not they weren't i mean they were a better offense than than they were defense last year as, as crazy as that sounds like i think their defense was was fantastic but so was their offense and i just don't see why that should change dramatically this season uh yeah minnesota yeah the Giants, yeah, I'm I'm with you on step backs and win total for sure. I don't think so with Philly. Seth, thanks so much. Yeah, we'll look uh, forward to that report on uh, full roster depth when you and uh, Mike Clay spell it out later this month. Thanks very much. Thank you, guys. Time to spin things over to the numbers game where Steve will be quizzed on the new faces of the roster. He's had some opportunity to look at the new people. Up and down the Buffalo roster. Let's see how he does here in the numbers game. Question number one, Steve. How many total new faces are there on Buffalo's 90-man roster? Dude. If you had to guess a number, where would you peg it? How many new faces in total? 90. So they had 53 last year. There's um, couple, one guy gone. I would say, out of the 50, I would say new faces. See, 50 out of 40. 50. Well, 47. 47. You're a little high. There's 32. Oh, all right. 32 new faces on the roster this year. Oh, because of the practice squad guys and everything? Well, 
on the 90-man roster that exists now, right. I went back and looked at the 90-man roster at this time last year. There's a total of 32 new faces All right. this cool. year. Uh, question surprises me a little bit. Go ahead. It does? It, yeah. It's lower than you thought. Yeah. Okay. Obviously. Which position has the most new additions? Try not to look at your roster card there to count. I'd say wide out, wide receiver. And you would be correct. Yeah. Wide receiver. Eight new players on the 90-man roster right now. As we know, only three holdovers from last year. Diggs, Davis, Shakir. Question number two, uh, three. Which position, Steve, had the most late additions this offseason? We heard Brandon Bean last week talk about how Brian Gain mentioned to him, hey, we've got 12 new guys on this roster since May 1st. So which position had the most late additions this offseason? Defensive line. You're right there. I'll give it to you. It's defensive end. It's edge rusher. Shane Ray. Yeah, yeah, Shane Ray. Cameron Klein and Leonard Floyd. Mm -hmm. Three new players at that one position. All right, Steve, you got a chance to go three for four here. Here we go. Come on, baby. Which player? I got it. Give me your roster card. I don't trust you. Give me... (laughs) He's got a cheat sheet in front of him. Not a cheat sheet. I mean, it's a roster. Well, come on. All right, question number four. Which player on the Bills roster... Changed his number from last season. Oh, Naheem Hines. Boom! Right the out zero. of the gate. The big zero. The big zero. Well, I don't know if he wants well, to go by that yeah, moniker. Well, that's what he, that's what he changed. But he changed from 21, 22. He was 20. Yeah. And changed to number mm. zero. Three out of four for Steve on the numbers game this week. Coming in hot. Yeah. That's a good performance for you for the first time in a little while here. <laughs> Come on, man. That was man. good. Whoa, whoa. Why you got to say it like that? <laughs> Dude. You did it. You did a good job there, man. And you, I had a one in ninety chance of getting the new faces thing right too. Well, I don't know about one in ninety. You weren't going to guess ninety, and you weren't going to guess one, right? One in eighty-five. <laughs> okay. I mean, rosters typically turn over twenty-five to thirty percent from one year to the next. It's kind of right in the ballpark there. All right, good job in the numbers game, Steve. Hey, Bills fans, get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Just download the app today to play any way you want. Now through June 18th, get a no-sweat-first bet up to $2,500. Plus, with live betting, you'll get updated odds on games that have already started. Best of all, you'll get paid your winnings fast. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the Buffalo Bills. Time now for our one burning question. And it deals with the bounty of players the Bills signed this offseason to one-year contracts. Steve, which player on a one-year contract with the Bills right now do you believe is most likely to re-sign next offseason? I would say probably Jordan Phillips. Jordan Phillips, tell me why. Um, he he likes playing here. They like him. He brings a lot of energy. I think he has found his spot in the NFL and loves it. He's tried the the grass is not always greener in other places he's been. Um, I think the Bills treat him right. The culture's right, and I think he likes playing on a winner with this defense. And I think this defense this year with Sean McDermott calling the plays is going to be a lot more fun for these guys because they'll be more aggressive, at least, yeah. you know, on, off the surface. So I, in, a, in a vacuum, I think it's probably one of those guys that this team has seen for a minute. I think they'll sign him next year. That is sure. an interesting choice. I'm intrigued by that. You know, it's – I know a lot of people forget, but that's a guy that had nine and a half sacks for this team in 2019 
and he is going to be able to play more of the three-technique position with Puna Ford here as Daquan Jones' rotational partner. So he'll be Ed Oliver's rotational partner. He'll be able to get after the passer a lot more this year. He might be able to, if he stays healthy, because he was his season last year was marred by injuries, as we know. That's that is right. an intriguing pick that I like a lot, but not as much <laughs> as my pick, which, which for me is Taylor Rapp. I think this is a young player who is an heir apparent at one of the starting safety positions. We know Micah Hyde is in the last year of his deal. Poyer has another year after this season. But I think as much as I hate to say it and believe it, because it's been enormously successful, I don't know if the Poyer-Hyde combo goes beyond the 2023 season. With that in mind, Taylor Rapp is an ideal replacement candidate. So you bring him in this year. You see what he can do. Sean McDermott was speaking about him glowingly when he was asked about what Taylor Rapp has done so far here in a Bills uniform. I think he is a prime candidate to be signed, not only re-signed next year, but to a long-term contract. So that's my pick. Our closing figure this week deals with the number of rookies on Buffalo's off-season roster. As the team gets its break before training camp, there are just 13 rookies on the roster right now. Last year at this time, 18 rookies. In 2020, 13 rookies. 2019, 13 rookies. And there were 18 in 2018. Here's what's interesting, Steve. In each of the last three years, Buffalo has kept the identical number of rookies on their initial 53-man roster. Six rookies made the roster last year, six the year before that, six in 2020. Exactly the same number. Do you have any theory as to why that is? It's a hard roster to make? No, I, it is a hard roster to make, but I, uh, and I think it'll be a difficult roster this year as well. It'll probably be right around that number. Certainly the draft picks are going to try and find a way to keep them on the 53-man, find them, give them a way yeah. to make it. But that's, that's about the entire draft class, right? There's six guys in the draft class. So um, all of them have a chance. But we have also seen this team Signed and start undrafted rookie free agents. Um, so I, I don't think it's a set in stone number. I think it's I think they are very secure in their in the what it looks like when yeah. you got it like, like last year with Benford and Kyir Elam. I think they don't care what it looks like to people outside the organization whether they got a a guy who's sitting, who, is, who they invested more into in a draft pick than they did in a rookie free agent that nobody else wanted. If the guy can play, he's going to be on the field. And I think that's – so I, I think if there are rookies out there, which I think you know, all, I think all six of these rookies in this draft class have a shot at making it, but there also may be you know, one or two more that we don't know yet. I, and yeah. I, I would not be surprised if that's the case, particularly given the wide receiver room and, and – uh, and of course, you know, you go with guys like Osiris Torrance and yep. and Kincaid and those guys. Those are automatics. The last time more than six rookies made the Bills fifty-three man roster was twenty nineteen. Seven made it. <laughs> it was right. only one more. Right. So uh not an easy roster to make, especially now if you're a rookie to crack this roster. But if you earn it, they'll put you on. Christian Benford was a rookie last year as a sixth round draft choice from a one double A program, and he started week. One. That'll do it for this episode. Please subscribe on your podcast platform so you know when our next episode drops. And remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to check 
Bills by the numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time, everybody. 